When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Chapter 16 of The Courage of Marjo Dune. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Courage of Marjo Dune by James Oliver Curwood. Chapter 16 It was the week of the big festival when David and his half-breed arrived at Tawaskook's village. Tawaskook was the farthest east of the totem worshippers, and each of his forty or fifty people reminded David of the devil chaser on the canvas of the snow fox's teepee. They were dressed up, as he remarked to the half-breed, like fiends. On the day of David's arrival, Tawaskook himself was disguised in a huge bear head from which protruded a pair of buffalo horns that had somehow drifted up there from the western prairies. And it was his special business to perform various antics about his totem pole for at least six hours between sunrise and sunset, chanting all the time most dolorous supplications to the squat monster who sat, grinning, at the top. It was the day of good hunting, and Tawaskook and his people worked themselves into exhaustion by the ardor of their prayers that the game of the mountains might walk right up to their teepee doors to be killed, thus necessitating the smallest possible physical exertion in its capture. That night, Tawaskook visited David at his camp, a little up the river, to see what he could get out of the white man. He was monstrously fat, fat from laziness, and David wondered how he had managed to put in his hours of labor under the totem pole. David sat in silence, trying to make out something from their gestures, as his half-breed, Jacques, and the old chief talked. Jacques repeated it all to him after Tawaskook, sighing deeply, had risen from his squalling posture, and left them. It was a terrible journey over those mountains, Tawaskook had said. He had been on the Sikin once. He had split with his tribe, and had started eastward with many followers, but half of them had died. Died because they would not leave their precious totems behind. And so had been caught in the deep snow that came early 
it was a ten-day journey over the mountains. You went up above the clouds. Many times you had to go above the clouds. He would never make that journey again. There was one chance. Just one. He had a young bear hunter, Keo. His face was still smooth. He had not won his spurs, so to speak, and he was anxious to perform a great feat, especially as he was in love with his medicine man's daughter, Kwakwapisu, the butterfly. Kyo might go, to prove his valor to the butterfly. Tuaskuk had gone for him. Of course, on a mission of this kind, Kyo would accept no pay. That would go to Tuaskuk. The two hundred dollars worth of supplies satisfied him. A little later, Tuaskuk returned with Kyo. He was exceedingly youthful, slim-built as a weasel, but with a deep-set and treacherous eye. He listened. He would go. He would go as far as the confluence of the Pitman and the Stikine, if Tuaskuk would assure him the butterfly. Tuaskuk, eyeing greedily the supplies which Jacques had laid out alluringly, nodded in agreement to that. The next day, Kiyo said, then, eager now for the adventure, the next day they would start. That night, Jacques carefully made up the two shoulder packs which David and Kiyo were to carry, for thereafter their travel would be entirely afoot. David's burden, with his rifle, was fifty pounds. Jacques saw them off, shouting a last warning for David to keep a watch on that devil-eyed Keo. Keo was not like his eyes. He turned out, very shortly, to be a communicative and rather likable young fellow. He was ignorant of the white man's talk, but he was a master of gesticulation. And when, in climbing their first mountain, David discovered muscles in his legs and back that he had never known of before. Keel laughingly sympathized with him and assured him in vivid pantomime that he would soon get used to it. Their first night, they camped almost at the summit of the mountain. Keel wanted to make the warmth of the valley beyond, but those new muscles in David's legs and back declared otherwise. Strawberries were ripening in the deeper valleys, but up where they were it was cold. A bitter wind came off the snow on the peaks, and David did smell the pungent fog of the clouds. They were so high that the scrub twigs of their fire smoldered with scarcely sufficient heat to fry their bacon. David was oblivious of the discomfort. His blood ran warm in hope and anticipation. He was almost at the end of his journey. It had been a great fight, and he had won. There was no doubt in his mind now. After this, he could face the world again. Day after day, they made their way westward. It was tremendous, this journey over the backbone of the mountains. 
it gave one a different conception of men. They, like ants on these mountains, David thought, insignificant crawling ants. Here was where one might find a soul and a religion if he had never had one before. One's littleness, at times, was almost frightening. It made one think, oppressed upon one that life was not much than an accident in this vast scale of creation, and that there was a great necessity for a god. In Keo's eyes, as he sometimes looked down into the valleys, there was this thing, the thought which perhaps he couldn't analyze, the great truth which he couldn't understand, but felt. It made a worshipper of him, a devout worshipper of the totem. And it occurred to David that perhaps the spirit of God was in that totem even as much as in finger-worn rosaries and the ivory crosses on women's breasts. Early on the eleventh day, they came to the confluence of the Pitman and the Sticking Rivers, and a little later Keel turned back on his homeward journey, and David and Barry were alone. This aloneness fell upon them like a thing that had a pulse and was alive. They crossed the divide and were in a great sunlit country of amazing beauty and grandeur, with wide valleys between the mountains. It was July. From up and down the valley, from the breaks between the peaks, and from the little gullies cleft in shale and rock that crept up to the snow lines, came a soft and droning murmur. It was the music of running water. That music was always in the air, for the rivers, the creeks, and the tiny streams gushing down from the snow that lay eternally up near the clouds, were never still. There were sweet perfumes as well as music in the air. The earth was bursting with green. The early flowers were turning the sunny slopes into colored splashes of red and white and purple, splashes of violets and forget-me-nots, of wild asters and hyacinths. David looked upon it all, and his soul drank in its wonders. He made his camp, and he remained in it all that day, and the next. He was eager to go on, and yet in his eagerness he hesitated, and waited. It seemed to him that he must become acquainted with this empty world before venturing farther into it. Alone, that it was necessary for him to understand it a little, and get his bearings. He could not lose himself. Jacques had assured him of that, and Keo had pantomimed it, pointing many times at the broad, shallow stream that ran ahead of him. All he had to do was to follow the river. In time, many weeks of course, it would bring him to the white settlement on the ocean. Long before that, he would strike Firepan Creek, Keo had never been so far. He had never been farther than this junction of the two streams, Tawaskuk had informed Jacques. So it was not fear that held David. It was the aloneness. He was taking a long mental breath. 
and meanwhile he was repairing his boots and doctoring Barry's feet, bruised and sore by their travel over the shale of the mountain tops. He thought that he had experienced the depths of loneliness after leaving the missioner. But here it was a much larger thing. This night, as he sat under the stars and the great white moon, with Barry at his feet, it engulfed him. Not in a depressing way, but awesomely. It was not an unpleasant loneliness, and yet he felt it had no limit, that it was immeasurable. It was as vast as the mountains that shut him in. Somewhere, miles to the east of him now, was Keo. That was all. He knew that he would never be able to describe it, this loneliness, or aloneness. One man and a dog, with a world to themselves. After a time, as he looked up at the stars and listened to the droning sound of the waters in the valley, it began to thrill him with a new kind of intelligence. Here was peace as vast as space itself. It was not troubled by the struggling existence of men and women. It seemed to him that he must remain very still under the watchfulness of those billions of sentinels in the sky, with the white moon floating under them. The second night, he made himself and back. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.